I'm Phil C. And I'm Lynn. And together, we're, we're Roman Oz. Real interviews. With real people. On location. With a great mix of Aussie music. As requested by the people we interview. Follow us on Facebook. Or check us out, allaussieradio.com.au. Now syndicated to Backwater Country, 87.6 FM. Tuesdays and Fridays. At 9pm. All interviews are live. And on location. And may vary in audio quality from segment to segment. So, Phil, what's on the show this week? Well, Lynn, you might recall last week we finished the show at Silverton at the uh, Silverton Hotel. Yes, with Peter and Patsy. Peter and Patsy, the owners, spoke to them. Fabulous discussion that was. And, of course, there's so many things to see and do in Silverton. We just couldn't do it all in one one program. No. So we're going to kick this program off with John Dynan. Yes. The painter. The painter. He's an artist. Yes. uh, Dino to his mates, uh, more affectionately known as the emu man. Yes, he paints emus or the heads of them. And sometimes half their body, their neck and their head sort of staring over a corrugated fence or something. And a fabulous, fabulous uh, character. Yes, he is. Had a fun discussion with him. And uh, straight after that. You're speaking to Adrian. From the Mad Max Museum. The Mad Max Museum. Now, um, absolutely loves Mad Max. Mm. Tells us that he first saw the movie in England, came out to Australia to see what it was like, mm-hmm. where they filmed it, fell in love with the place. And built a museum. And built a museum. Yep. Now, from there, we go to Hilston. Yes, we head south. And funny enough, we meet up with the Campbelltown Joggers. The Campbelltown Joggers are not jogging in Hilverston. No. They're riding bikes. They're actually doing a training run, a cycle training run, 106 kilometres. Took them eight hours to do Mm. it. Getting ready for a trip from Darwin to Adelaide. Good on you guys. Now, um, apart from all these wonderful discussions with these fabulous people, we've also got a great selection of music as as requested by the people we interview. Now, before we start the show, Lynn, I'm going to kick off the show with a song Mm. and we're going to send this one out to John Dine and the Emu Man. It's called Old Old Man Man Emu. Emu. So what do you reckon, Lynn? On with the show. Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu He's got a beak and feathers and things But the poor old fetter ain't got no wings Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better did da 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 Well, the eagle's flying round and round To keep my two feet firmly on the ground Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you I could run the pants of a kangaroo But I don't He can't fly, but I'm telling you He can run the pants of a kangaroo Well, he was the model for the 50 cents. Um, the designers should have had more sense. Um, Take a look, it'll prove to you. I ran the pairs of that kangaroo. Take a look, it'll prove to you. He ran the pairs of the kangaroo. Can't loop the loo like a cockatoo, um, better did da da da. Swerp and toss like an albatross, um, better did da da da. Silly galar, I'm better by far than a white cockatoo or a badgery gar. They squeak and squawk and try and talk. <laughs> Why, well, me and them's like cheese and chalk, but I don't do. He can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, the dingo came around one day. Um, hey there, emu, you wanna play? Um, but the emu was too smart for him. <laughs> Walked right up and kicked him in the shin. He can't fly, but I'm telling you, we can run the pants of a dingo too. Oh, yeah, but he had to kick me in the shin first. Well, the last time I saw old man emu, um, he was chasing a female he knew, um, as he shot past, I heard him say, She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she could run the pits of a kangaroo. She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she could run the pits of a kangaroo. Well, there is a moral to this ditty, um, better did da da da. Frush can sing, but he ain't pretty, um, better did da da da. 
duck can swim, but he can't sing, nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, the kookaburra laughed and he said, it's true. But it da 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 Continuing on now with John Dynan from the John Dynan Gallery. How are you today, John? Good, mate. Good on you. Yeah. Thanks for having us in uh, the uh, in this beautiful gallery of yours. Yeah, no, it's all right. Thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to chat with us. Yeah. Now, um, I want to ask you a couple of things, mate. Um, how long have you been a full-time artist? Um, nearly 50 years. Nearly 50 yeah. years. Yeah. Okay, so um, where did you come from originally? Where, Broken we, Hill. So you were born in Broken born Hill? Red. Yeah. And you now live in Silverton? Oh, no, I not now live in Silverton. No? I moved back about six years ago. Okay. Yeah, I was out here 30 odd, 35 years. Okay. And then the wife wanted to move to Mildura. Yep. Something different. Mm-hmm. So we sold up everything we owned, took off to Mildura. Lasted um, 11 months. She missed the kids and missed Broken Hill. So we sold up in Mildura and come back. Okay. And then I bought this little shed off me mate. Okay. About six years ago. Right. But we live back in Broken Hill now. You're in Broken Hill, which is, as we said uh, at the start of the interview, it's only about 23 kilometres from here. Yeah, and I love the drive. You love the drive? Yeah. yeah, what about all the what about all the, the bumps? We got like no, I the love dips. That. They keep me awake. <laughs> <laughs> so how many how many dips is there? Have you counted them? Uh, I think there's about thirty six or thirty six. There used to be about seventy. Oh, okay. And they fixed all the bad ones up. Okay. But you got to know which side to go into the dip. Okay. Sometimes you got to go in on the wrong side of the road. Oh, really? The left hand side sort of flat on the other side, okay. and you'll hit it and nearly wrecks your front end. And, oh, yeah, okay. So. Well, that's that's a, that's something good for the listeners to know. Okay, yeah. make sure make sure you enter the dips on the right side, or slow down, unless of course you want to throw no, a silver. No, don't slow down. You might have the tourist up your backside. <laughs> <laughs> As you can imagine, listeners, uh, Dino, his mates call him Dino. He's a bit of a local character. Now they tell me that you've got a reputation to hear. You, they tell me you're the local mayor. Is there any truth to that, or is no, this just a bit of a rumour? It's not obviously you're not the official mayor, but no, I'm the unofficial mayor. But also, I'm the sheriff and the town drunk. <laughs> so, and the only thing that we haven't fired over out here is the town drunk. Okay. Title. So, okay. So but I usually win it. You usually win yeah. the fight. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, John, I knew this was going to be a fun interview yeah. right from the start. Now, a lot of your paintings here, we're in your gallery now, a lot yeah. of the paintings are, are emu-related. What's yeah. your fascination with the emus? Well, I, that's a long story too. I might get you seven minutes there. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I bought, I bought two, two galleries and a house up on the hill. Okay. And they were from Peter Brown, and he was actually the emu man. Right. right in yes. Australia. Okay. And then when when he sold it to me, yep. I said, "Do you want to leave your paintings here?" So he left his paintings with me. Yep. And um, just over the years, people kept asking me for prints and souvenirs and whatever. And so I rang him up and asked him, "Would you do souvenirs and prints?" And he said, "No, I'm not into that." And I won't tell you what he really said. Okay. <laughs> and he said, "Why don't you paint your own emus?" And I said, "I wouldn't." I've never looked at painting an emu, and I'm not going to. Okay. And he said, no, serious. He said, do two heads of an, of an emu. Right. Have them poking your head over a back fence, a corrugated iron fence or something. Yes. And give it a go. So right. I did. Yep. And then 20 years later, I'm the emu man now. You're the so emu man. So I pinched man. his title. Okay. And he knows about it. And he doesn't mind? <laughs> he don't care. He's happy. He's not asking yeah. you for royalties? <laughs> no. And then he, he's been to my art shows and he stood in front of all my emu paintings with red stickers on them, which it means sold. And then I'd walk up to him and he's shaking his head thinking, oh, you know, that look what I've done I shouldn't have and retired. I said you know it's your fault and he said yeah I know that <laughs> you told me to paint it <laughs> and I said now I've got a fascination with them myself so yep. I try to put them in all different you know like I'll have police I'll have firefighters yep. I'll have miners or anyone's trade yes. I'll put a hat on them Okay. For that trade. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well I notice you've got um, a fireman's helmet behind you which you said yeah. you're painting up for a friend. Yeah. 
Um, and, yeah. and you've got a bit of an Australian landscape happening there, and you're yeah. going to put a couple of emus on it for yeah. the firefighter. A couple of firefighting emus on there, with the, one with the boss's hat and one with the worker's hat. Okay, yeah. okay, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's I noticed when we came in, your workshops or your, your gallery is surrounded by bicycles. Now, what's yeah. the bicycle thing all about? Well, that's when I bought the gallery. Okay. The bloke that was here collected bikes. Right. And then he said, I'll throw all these bikes up the dump. And I said, no, don't do that because okay. I love junk. <laughs> and if you went up to my other two galleries on the hill that yep. I used to have, okay. there's junk, sculpted fences, sculpted trees, sculpted everything up there, cars, motorbikes of works. Okay. And I'm starting to do it here too. So, And my whole gallery, yes, I add something to the gallery every day. Oh, really? And when the artwork stops on the galleries, the day will be dead. Okay. Yeah, so, every day. All right. So, so Lynn, you might be added to the gallery. Well, I, might have to, <laughs> I might have to leave you out the front. Oh, right. <laughs> if stays here long enough, I'll paint it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic stuff. Now, yeah. you've also done some landscapes. You've got this outside of here where you've got the bicycles, you've got the car. Yeah. What's that white car all about? Beam me up with a... Uh, the Beamer. Yeah. Well, that was actually on one of the bashes. Uh-huh. And what happens in that bash, wherever yep. that car comes out, they leave it. Okay. As long as the people where they leave it want it. Yes. And they pulled up here, conked out. So they said, well, look, and they told me the story, and I said, oh, yeah, leave it. I said, I've never had a BMW. Okay. So, so when did that arrive? How long ago was that? Oh, that's about two years ago. About two years ago, yeah. yeah. But I'm I... going to end up painting emus on it. You are? But I've got to wait till the stickers and all that wear off. Yeah. So there's... Because they like to get a little bit of publicity. Of course. So once that's worn off, I'll just paint emus on it. Okay. Yeah. And the Volkswagen with no <coughs> wheels, it's got cans of paint all over it. Was yeah. that just, and it's, it's just a massive splash of colour everywhere. Was yeah. that just, was that too many beers one night and you just started throwing cans of paint at yeah, it? Or? It probably was. But <laughs> a mate of mine said, you want an old Volkswagen and he wanted to get rid of it. So okay. he, I said, bring it out and dump it in there. So part of the sculptured farm. Part of the sculptured yeah. farm. I'm going to yeah. actually keep adding sculptures all out the front. Okay. So you don't, you don't actually do sculpting, though? You're no, an artist. No, so I get other people to make the big metal sculptures. Uh-huh. And we've got a heap out there now, but I'm going to actually fence them all in and have a big sculpture farm. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Ned Kelly, you didn't make Ned? No, Ned's my out mate the front. made that. Okay. And yeah. what about the toilet? What about the dunny with the ladies sitting that was, in? That was picked up in town from one of my old mates, um, Grandad's old house. Okay. Yeah, so it's 130 years old. 130 the old years dunny. old. Wow. And the lady sitting in it, she's about 130 years old too, I think. Crikey. <laughs> Did you see the lady sitting in it? I saw the lady sitting in there. Yeah. Now, I've got to ask you, we were chatting before we started the interview. You said you hate the heat. Yeah. Now, your shed's pretty well, or your gallery, yeah. you've got half of it insulated, which yeah. you, and the other half's not because you said you want to keep it original. Yeah. What makes a person who hates the heat want to live in Broken Hill and work in Silverton? Well, I haven't always hated the heat. No. When I was younger, I yeah. loved the heat. Loved the heat, yeah. the summer and everything, but yeah. when, I think when you get older, it's just... Gets too hot here. Yeah, yeah. But I don't like the winter either, so there you go. There you go. So okay. I so like you, the in between. Yeah. So you don't see yourself sort of retiring somewhere near the coast in the next six months or five years? Or what do you mean? I retired fifty years ago. Yeah. No, I mean, but getting out, getting away from the dust and the flies, and you know, you no, love Broken Hill and Silverton. No, if we got away from the dust and that, we wouldn't be able to breathe. No, fair we, enough. We breathe the dust. We live on it. We live on it. Now, Lynn, I'm going to ask you, have you got any questions for John? I see you walking around here, you're taking photographs of everything. and It's an it's a, it's a extremely colourful gallery, I've got to tell you that, listeners, and so, there's emus everywhere. So you have a fascination with the bright colours, or is yeah. that just rubbing off on the no, whole landscape? That's just me, I think. Just I you? don't know why, but you put me into a paint shop, like a house paint shop. Yep. Just the colours make... It does something to me. Oh, right. I just want to pick them all up and take all the colours home. Yeah. yeah. No, they're nice, vibrant, bright and vibrant. It's yeah, lovely. I love vibrant colours. Yeah, very Absolutely. good. Yeah. Now, I noticed uh, just just before we wind this up, John, you've yeah. got all these colours of yellow splattered all over the floor. Is that is that your next project in... Uh, yes. In, uh, yes? You know how I did that. I, told you. <laughs> I dropped a bit. I was shaking a big tin of yellow paint. Okay. And the bloody lid come off. And... <laughs> 
It went all over me. I painted my whole self, and it's all over all my um, $3,500, $4,000 paintings. Oh, goodness. Over me prints, over me cupboards. I was I was I was hoping that we could turn that into something and sell it for a million bucks because it well, looks quite artistic. Even that was an accident. Yeah, well, the four thousand dollar painting that the yellow paint splattered on. Yeah. I'll put that up a thousand dollars now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, John. All right, my friend. Well, listen. Thank you so much for your time. We're going to have to wind this up, um, but before we do that. I'm going to play you a song. It's got to be Australian. Yeah. So who's your favourite Australian artist? Stephen Rowe. Stephen Ray? Yeah, he actually, he's, he's an ex-Broken Hill boy. Okay. And he sings about things that I love and where I grew up. Okay. Like in Patton Street out the south. And Patton Street, he's yes. He's a very good singer. Well, he's got a song called Patton Street, doesn't he? That's it, and that's the one I would That's like. the one you want to hear. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and it's all about street in Broken Hill. That's it. Fantastic yeah. stuff. And interestingly to note, uh, Tanya Kernigan, she sort of yeah. gave him his big break, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, he sings a lot with her. Fantastic. Yeah, she's been out here heaps of times to Silverton. All right, John. John Dynan listeners from the Dynan Gallery, Dino to his friends, and um, thank you so much for your time, John. That's all right, It's mate. been a pleasure. <laughs> listeners, stick around. We're going to play you that song right now, Patton Street by Stephen Rowe, and straight after that, more Roman Oz. out to the south to play with a good friend was out in Patton Street at the top end and somehow or somewhere we met along the way and who'd have thought that moment would be still in my heart today your smile was so pretty your eyes were so bright you could light up my darkness you lit up my life and when you first kissed me with innocence of love I thought you were an angel that was sent from above Fly, fly away into the great blue sky And I knew it all along Angels flying too close to home We moved out to the north, the same street that you live. Went past your place almost every day. I was still a kid. I was hoping that I'd see you standing out in the front. And I wanted that feeling again, that feeling of love. But time moved on and I moved away. It must have been 20 years later I saw her one day. Her smile was still pretty, her eyes were still bright, and it brought back those feelings in Patton Street that night. Fly, fly away into the great blue sky, and I'll do it all along. Angels flying too close to home. brother for quite a few years and when I put down that phone up came the tears fly fly away into the great blue sky and I knew it all along angels flying too close to home came out to the south to play with a good friend 
was out in Patton Street at the top end. And somehow or somewhere we met along the way. And who'd have thought that moment would be still in my heart today? Well, there you go, listeners. What a great song. Made famous there, of course, by Stephen Rowe. And the song was called Patton Street. We're going to continue on now. And we are now going to be catching up with Adrian from the Mad Max Museum. Adrian, how are you doing there, Adrian? Very good, thank you. Very good, thanks, Matt. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. One thing I'd like to say before we uh, talk about your wonderful museum, I noticed, and there are a couple of four-legged friends in here. Now, you're pet-friendly. Yes, we have always been pet-friendly here. We uh-huh. love dogs. Well, we love all animals. We have a couple of selves. Uh-huh. And uh, over time, we've noticed that uh, there's more and more people are travelling with the, with the pets. Right. And, uh, and they've, they've actually told us as well that more and more places are more accommodating to us. Fantastic. And so rather than have to leave them in the car or the, or the caravan, anything like that, you mm-hmm. know, it's just nice that they can come through and bring the, uh, the little fellas with them. Which is absolutely brilliant, because yeah. you're right, there are so many people now mm. travelling with their pets. Now, look, let's talk about this incredible museum of yours. You, oh. you, you come from England, we yes. can immediately hear that in your accent. Yes. What made you come halfway across the world to set up Mad Max? Well, it all started back in 82, uh, okay. when I was 18. So mm-hmm. th- this was May of 82 when Mad Max 2 had been released. The first film was a support film. I'd never heard of them. Um, there was a couple of us, a few of us that were uh, that were into motorbikes. We got into bikes, so uh, and that's what we enjoyed doing, riding out to the country, having a few beers and that kind of thing, and and um, just enjoying ourselves, you know. Right. And uh, a couple of friends had, uh, for some reason I don't know why I, I hadn't been with them, but for a couple of reasons on the Friday night. Um, they'd been to see Mad Max 1 and 2. So when I met up with them on the Saturday, they were trying to tell me about these biker movies. So they said, hey, do you, you know, Adrian, you've got to go and see these, these movies, you know. They didn't really tell me much about them, but I just expected to go see biker movies. And so I said, well, all right, then, I'll go along with you. And, you know, I was more interested in going to the pub, to be honest. But I said, no, no, go on, we'll go see these films, you know. Uh, I was blown away. I yep. have never seen anything like it in all my life. It turned out to be a lot more than biker movies. Absolutely. I didn't know at the time uh, there were Australian films either uh, and, until I actually saw the films. And, and as, you, as you'll know yourself, there's always a uniqueness about Australian cinema that, that makes it stand apart from the usual kind of films. Yeah? Um, and I couldn't believe what I'd seen. Uh, it's really difficult to put my finger on what it was about the movies. I suppose, of course, the whole car thing and the bike thing appealed to me. Right. But it was everything about it. It was the landscape. Um, the characters, you know, and just just everything seemed to work perfectly with these films. And I came out of the cinema, uh, my head was buzzing with what I'd seen, and I right. and, and immediately just wanted to know more about the movies, who made the movies, where they were shot, and things like that. And mm-hmm. that set me on this quest. And it right. really was a quest, I and mean, the passion began then. And it wasn't long after that that I actually met uh, Linda, and our first, um, probably first official date, I suppose, I, t- I said to Linda, have you seen, instead of taking, taking her to a restaurant or something like that, I said, have you ever seen Mad Max, you know, Mad Max and Mad Max 2, the movies? And she said, no. So that was really what we, what we ended up doing. We went to see, see him at the cinema. Yep. Uh, and that's where it all started. So Linda's, um, my wife, she, yeah, she's wife, known yeah. the passion um, all this time as well. So, uh, and, and that's really, really, you know, how it all started. So um, in, in 2004, that was the first time that we ever got the opportunity to come as a family. We'd had four sons, and they were kind of in the teenage years yep. at that point. And we, we, so we, we decided that we would um, spend two weeks. That's all the time we had, really. So we'd spend two weeks in Australia. The first week down around Geelong, where the first film was shot. Yes. And then the second week was to come out to Broken Hill and Silverton, which we were so excited about. So uh, we arrived... Um, in Broken Hill, this was just before sunset, drove out here to here, Silverton, uh, grabbed a beer at the hotel, the Silverton pub, went out to the Monday Monday lookout, and it was funny, you know, because I actually felt like I'd come home. Really? I familiarised myself with the area so much with watching the films and, right. and what have you, um, that it just felt right. Uh, I have to tell you that I got goosebumps when I went out there, I couldn't believe where I was, and, um, and I said to my wife, I said to Linda, do you think you could live here 
and thinking it would ha never happen, she well, said yes. Well, that was my ticket. That okay. was it. So, so, and, and that's really when we got back to England after that, that. After that, after the holiday, that's really when it when it started. Um, you know, when we started started the ball rolling to actually come and live here. Okay. Now, the the idea for the museum. So, I mean, at, at this point now, I'm really really passionate about the movie. That was really why I Mad Max Two. That was really why I came here. But I was really surprised to find that this being the Hollywood of the outback, yep. which is great. There's always films being shot here. There's always somebody famous be, that, 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 that'll be, you know, that's Absolutely, here. Absolutely, yes. But there was nothing to, that really paid homage to the movies, not just Mad Max 2, but the movies that are being shot here. And I found it really odd. Uh, because even though this is, a, you know, the, the history behind Broken Hill and Silverton, of course, is the mining. There's a lot of history here. Yes. Uh, but a lot of visitors, a lot of people that come here, come here because they know at least one of the Mad Max movies was shot here. That's yeah. what we're hearing and what we're, uh, and what we're finding. So I, I, th I thought to myself, well, if I'm ever lucky enough, if I do get accepted into Australia and I do get the opportunity to ever move out this way, I would definitely do something. I would definitely do some kind of display. I didn't realise I was going to do something quite like this. This is quite a spectacular yeah. display, I've got so, to tell you. No, well, thanks. Yeah, because uh, and and so this is this is really the uh, the end result of, of 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 really what we achieved here. So we've been open coming up to 11 years now. So we didn't have everything we have now when we first opened. Uh, I was quite concerned about being able to fill the place because I didn't, when I, when I had the idea to do the museum, I didn't really have anything as such. I was going to, it was really a case of relying on and getting to know people that were involved with the film, in the film, sorry, a lot of Broken Hill locals that mm -hmm. may have kept things, but I knew about a few things, right. uh, but then it just, it just started. You know, I got to know people, the media were really kind to us, it went out on the news that this mad Englishman had moved halfway around <laughs> the world to build a museum. So it, it wasn't thick and fast, it wasn't like people were queuing up to give me things or sell me things, but, but we got to the point um, in 2000, September 2010 where we thought, look, we can open up here, this is good. So, and then over the 10 years, uh, up until this point, we're at bursting point. We, we can't fit anything else That's in there. Anything else, you know, we're, no. we're, we're, we're kind of stuck. And, and I do have other things that I really need to put on display. But just at this point, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm probably at the point now, after 10 years, where I can say I'm happy with the place. Right. Up until this point, I've, there's always been other things I've really wanted to do and I improve things, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with where we are at the moment with yes. this. So, so that really is, the, that's really kind of in a nutshell of, uh, of the beginnings of my passion to where I am now. Okay. Mm. Now, we were here about two years ago mm. and I noticed that quite a few things have changed in the last two years. So for anybody that has been to the Mad Max Museum, you know, there are things to see that wouldn't have been here two years ago. So tell some of the listeners what you've added to your display. Yeah, well, um, that's what we like to do, is to keep the place fresh, because we do get return, uh, return visitors. So yes. um, over this last 12 months, um, we've put another vehicle in, which is a, it's still a rare car. It's, it's the two-door Chrysler, the two-door Valiant they used. Uh, in the film it was a replica that we put together uh, for that, which is uh, it's absolutely it was a great piece in the film as well. Uh, but we didn't have any we didn't actually have any room for it, so I actually had to build another extension to move some things over the other side. Right. Um, so we, so we could fit this in. This is a problem here, is especially when you want to put another vehicle in. Is actually trying to get it in the place. Of course. Um, and then. Um, it, more, uh, it, even though this wasn't uh, it wasn't from the Mad Max Two movie, but it, but it was still uh, still a kind loan uh, from from this particular person. We actually got uh, probably some of the listeners will remember Kundalini from the first film mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in the famous scene where he, he throws the chain onto the car and loses his hand. Every, yes, most people that come through the door always coin that phrase. Okay. You know, they always say Kundalini wants his hand back. Well, Paul, <laughs> it's just it's, and put well, Paul Johnston that actually played Kundalini contacted us. Uh, a few months ago, right. and he said, "Look, Adrian," he said, "I know that this isn't from the second film, but I just wondered if you'd be interested in displaying it." He said, "I've actually come across the belt that I wore in the first film." He right. said, "I've forgotten I had it." He said, "But he said I can't think of anywhere better." He said, "And I'd like people to see it." And I said, "Well, there still is an interest in your character, even for people that come and see the Mad Max Two music." Yes. So he sent it through not too long ago. We've put it on display now, and. He actually did a. He actually made up like this certificate of authenticity, authenticity. And at the bottom, instead of putting Kundalini wants his hand back, he said Kundalini wants his belt back. So <laughs> a little bit of humour there. Uh, but that's that's a great thing about it is is when people come across things. Right. Um, I think the first thing they think about 
is you know it should really be on display at the Mad Max Museum. Absolutely. You know, because if uh, and it always you know the the, the the people that loan us things, it's not it's nice to get the loans because at least they can still tell people you know oh look I've got this particular item it's you know but it's on display at the Mad Max Museum and we always put an acknowledgement on everything yes. so that anybody that comes through here can see who's loaned us something or mm-hmm. donated something to the to the museum um, so there was a, another item that we that we had which was a, a great find as well from one of the bad guys actually a all weather mask that some of the mm-hmm. uh, buggy riders wore um, a friend of mine in Broken Hill that actually worked on the film uh, just came across this and it blew us away because um, you know, you'd expect these things to be just thrown away on and, and never, never turn up again, especially after 40 years. Yeah. And when he actually came up, he said, "You won't believe what I found." And he got this thing out. Oh, jeez, it was, it was like finding a gold nugget. Yeah. So that's in, that's in the display case in there as yeah. well. So, yeah. uh, and there's some, you know, it's usually subtle pieces as well. You know, that you just, just add in there. But you know, people have been before; they notice these things. Yes. You know, they come and say, oh, I didn't notice this before, I didn't notice that before. You mm-hmm. know? So there's, 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 there's always so much to look at. We might, we may have missed, us, missed this before. You yes. know? But, uh, but that's the, the, the main thing is keeping it interesting for the return visitors. Because yes. you know, once they've looked around and seen it, it's nice to come again, but it is nice to see these little bits and bats that, are, that just add to the whole thing. They're they're different, and, yeah. and the more things I can, I can actually put in here for people, well, the better it is, the more they can see, you know, mm-hmm. the better it is. So, mm-hmm. And we're constantly working on that. I do have some other bits and pieces that I've had for a while, um, but it's just a case of finding the right spot for them. You know, I mean, the, the museum is supposed to look a little bit junky. It is Mad Max. You know, it is supposed to be yes. post-apocalyptic, but uh, post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic. Yes. Uh, but uh, but it's just finding that that right spot. So just at the moment, I'm working things out to add these new items, which mm-hmm. we'll get in as as soon as we can. Now we should say too for the listeners that although you've got replicas out here, you've got a lot of original photographs and so on and so forth from the movies haven't you that were given to you yes that that the, the photographs for me i think uh, they're absolutely incredible they, they, they capture a moment in time of course that would otherwise be lost and something as special as, as mad max 2 you know something especially from this movie if there hadn't have been so many photographs taken it would have you know it wouldn't have documented really the incredible filmmaking that took place back then so yeah. um so there's been a lot of locals uh, and including crew members that i've met you know, uh, prior to that, um, that, uh, that decided that they thought the best place for the photographs would be here. Okay. And they're incredible photographs. Yeah, absolutely yeah, incredible photographs. Yep. You know, I, I would never have imagined in a million years that 40 years ago, in an you know, in a, in an Australian movie, that so many people would have taken so many great shots yeah. because it was back before the digital age. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you had to physically get them developed. And a lot of the locals and people that had photographs had forgotten they had them. They mm-hmm. put them in, you know, tucked them away in cupboards and drawers and just forgot. That, that they were there, you know, and, yep. and, and it's the same with the original pieces we have. You know, pe- people over time, over the years, have contacted us. You know, people that worked on the film as well as Broken Hill locals. You know, because yes. there's so many people in Broken Hill worked on the film mm-hmm. that have forgotten they had things. Yeah, you know, that was just incredible. They'd either come up to see me or give me a call and say, "Look, you know, I've come across this. This is what we use on the film, or you know, I've got come across that, and, and would you like to have it? You know, would you like to put it on display? It's just been incredible. You know, Fantastic, really incredible. I mean, things from actual genuine things and original things from this film are so rare that's the thing it's not like you can go on ebay and type in no. you wouldn't find anything they have to belong to people you yes, know, and, and it's down to those people to actually come forward and one of the one of the kind of kind of rules that we did discuss when we first opened is we wouldn't pester anybody okay even though i knew certain people may have had things we thought no we won't contact people or pester them um, they were aware of us, and we thought it's best if we just leave it up to up to those people to come forward. You know, right. otherwise you can put yourself in an awkward position. You know, if somebody says no, I don't want to display it, kind of, you know, a little bit awkward. But so we thought we'd, we'd just leave it to people, and they've been wonderful. The generosity has been fantastic. Although some of the items that we've got, <laughs> that we've had to purchase for the for the for the museum <laughs> has been very 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 expensive. Okay, uh, but but. We've, we've managed to get the money together to buy them because they are so rare and one-offs and of course a lot of the items for the film were custom made yep. you won't see them anywhere else and where better place and this is my life of course you know this is what I 
do every day. This is what I think about every day, uh, and and so it's not a, it's not a problem as long as as long as we've got the finances to be able to purchase these things, then we'll we'll we'll, we'll get as much as we can and, here and so, keep the museum and just keep it changing that's and right, yeah. get them growing larger and larger. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Now I noticed some of the photographs out there. You've got signatures from some of the people, from some of the actors. Yes. Uh, and there's actually two photographs out there with Mel Gibson's sisters. Yes. Now has Mel ever come to the to the museum? No, no, Mel's never come back here. I think, I think, I mean, to be honest, uh, I mean, Mel lives, of course, overseas. Oh, of course, lives in America. Yes. I think, I think, to do a to do a, a special trip here for us maybe a little bit too much to ask. Although mm-hmm. I wouldn't count it out. Yeah. I have faith. Uh, I think if he if he was possibly over here again, maybe doing a movie, if he had the opportunity, maybe mm. if he could call in, that would be great. But his sisters were wonderful. Trisha came uh, first of all. Uh, that was uh, I think that was two thousand seventeen. Right. And she was just. It was just wonderful. It was a wonderful meeting, and it was a big honour. Yeah, uh, I mean, of I, didn't, I didn't want to do cartwheels in front of Tricia, <laughs> uh, but I was so excited, you know. Yeah. And then um, late, it was late last year. Uh, Sheila actually called Linda, my wife, and, and explained who she was. Yes, uh, she was so funny. Shadows in stitches. They were just the most. Were, it was. It was just most. Two of the most beautiful people you could meet. Okay, it was just wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, really, really humbled as well. But to be in the company as well, you know, of Mel's yeah. sisters. Mel Gibson's sisters. Big deal. You know, it was a real big deal having Mel's sisters of here. Of course. Mel. Of course. But we do live in we do live in hope to get Mel here. But I've had some uh, some really really nice people, and everybody I've met from the film. Okay. Um, it's like you've known them for years. Okay. No egos, anything like that. They mm-hmm. just, they, as soon as you come through the door, they just treat you like they've known you for, for, for years. As you know, uh, I, I even met uh, uh, George. Couldn't make it here. George Miller, the director, when they yep. were doing pre-production for Fury Road, he couldn't make it here. But his wife, who actually got his wife, uh, Mark Sixel, she was wonderful. She brought his two sons through. The, the two sons, uh, she actually got the Oscar for editing the latest film, Fury Road. She was wonderful as well, but I did meet George, um, oh, this would be about 12 years ago, down in Sydney, okay. another great fellow. It was just wonderful, you know, yeah. so just a real honour. But we've had quite a lot of the crew th- crew come through, either the big star Vernon Wells, right. who played Wes in the film. Um, he was he nearly took the spotlight off Mel Gibson, I have to say, yeah, that okay. in Max too. He was, he, it was Vernon, really, that I really wanted to know who he was. Okay. It was just incredible, his, his performance and his character was incredible. But I'd met him in England, yep. that was a huge deal for me. Mm-hmm. I was very nervous meeting him. Yep. This was, I think this was back in 2014. Yes. And I never thought I'd meet him again. And then in 2012, we got a phone call from his best friend down in Victoria, where he's from. Yes. And he says, oh, Adrian, he said, look, he said, um, Vernon Wells is going to be coming over to Australia it's going to be a fairly quick six week tour of Australia but he'd like to start off at the museum oh, it was over the moon and it was absolutely it was just incredible when you see him in the film oh my god his character but he was absolutely wonderful just yeah. to give you an idea of what it was like we're just going back to talking about our little four-legged furry friends yes Vernon is a big animal lover okay he's a real big animal lover now we at the time we had the little little deaf blue healer we had and this is a, he went on to work in Hollywood with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dennis Quaid and people like that. I mean, he, he did some big films in the 80s. Yeah. So you just imagine this Hollywood actor rolling about in the dirt <laughs> in his clean clothes, not bothered, with our dog. That's what kind of a guy he was. Wow. And that's literally what everybody I've met has been like from, from the movie when they've come through that door. And that adds to the whole experience for me. Okay. You know that, that and, and the stories as well. Being able to pass on the stories mm-hmm. as well. You know, the the, the cr- people behind the camera as well. Uh, Graham Grace Walker, who was an incredible production designer on this film, um, he was just wonderful. Everybody, I, have, I mean, everybody, everybody that I've met, uh, they've been so forthcoming with information, uh, and they've just wonderful. You know, they don't mind signing autographs, having a photograph with you, that kind of thing. You know, and out of it, I've made I've made good friendships out of it. You know, um, especially with. Uh, some of the, the stunt team um, that are obviously getting on a bit now, you know. But uh, but three times a year, I, uh, I go over to the East Coast and catch up with uh, uh, three of the members of the stunt team that are a little bit too old now to try and make the journey to see it. I, so I, I feel it's like doing my little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they probably don't realise that, you know, that, that for, for 40 years they've kind of done so much for me in life by what they achieved in this movie. Yeah. So it's my way of giving a little bit back. Uh, and, and it's a real, as I say, it's a big honour to be friends with these people, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's yeah. So that's that's what it's been like, you know. I've, I've made good friends and and met so many wonderful people. Um, I've just got no complaints at all, you know. I've, it's just it's been that life for me when I came to Australia just took off. 
Yes. You know, they said life began at 40. Yeah. It did for me, you know, it really did for me, you know. So it's, it's just been incredible. wouldn't change anything. Well, that's great. That's absolutely fantastic to hear, Adrian. Yeah. And you've taken so much of your time. I know you're a busy man. Oh. I really appreciate <laughs> you uh, giving us an insight to your museum mm. and an insight to some of the actors and characters and, and mm. people on the crew. Um, we're going to have to wind this up now. Um, I've got to play a song for you at the end of this, and it's got to be Australian. As yes. you know, that's all we play out here in Australia. Well, that's all I play. Yes. Who's your favourite band, Adrian? Well, I think it would have to be... It's going to have to be ACDC. ACDC? Well, ACDC. I think ACDC, they're a pretty wild band. Yes, Mad Max are. was a pretty wild movie. <laughs> have you got a uh, favourite song that by ACDC? There's one that gets me all the time, and that's For Those About to Rock. For Those About to Rock. Well, listeners, stick around for more of Roman Oz, because we'll be back with it straight after this track. Thank you so much, Adrian. Thank you. Thank you. 
Now, listeners, uh, we are going to continue on with Malachi Quinn. Oh, welcome back, listeners. Phil C here from Roman Oz, and I'm with Malachi Quinn, and he's from the Campbelltown Joggers. Now, you might think joggers running, but actually these guys are bicycle riders, aren't you? You're cyclists. Correct. Is that right? Correct. Okay, so tell us all about what you're doing out here. Now, well, actually, we've gone from uh, Griffith to uh, Mount Hope. Okay. And then back into Griffith, so we're doing 440 k's on the bike. Okay. And we're doing it to prepare ourselves for a ride from Darwin to Adelaide in July. Darwin to Adelaide in July. Yeah. Okay. So that, we're... That's about 3,000 k's. Okay, so we are actually at Hilston. Correct. Now, Hilston to Griffith, where you started, how far is that? 106 k's. So you did 106 k's today, today in the saddle. Yeah. And that was roughly, what would you say, about six, eight, eight hours in the saddle? Yeah, what time did we leave, guys? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. So eight o'clock. We, we got back. Four o'clock. Eight o'clock till four o'clock, yeah? Yeah. So what's that, eight hours? It's about that, yeah. You didn't ride for eight hours, though, did you? You, you had a stop along the oh, way. We had a couple of stops, yeah, but pretty yep. much, I mean, when you're doing that sort of mileage, you, you've got to keep moving. So. Okay. Yeah, we had a, a couple of breaks, but uh, but we we got the mileage in. All right. The, now, now, how many's in your crew? We got a few. We got a few gentlemen here. We've, we've got, got a few about, ladies. I think we've got about ten. Ten in the crew for yeah, this one. Yeah. 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 So there's one, two, about three or four ladies. It's and about so, a, a, a lot of my couples as well. You know, husband okay. and wife, sort, okay. sort of thing. So um, right. we, we've known each other for a long time. Right. Because we, I say, we were joggers. We used to be runners. Before we were cyclists. Okay. So um, we've sort of we've known each other for probably a lot of those 20, 30 years. So why did you get out of jogging and get into cycling? What well, was... there wasn't a lot of choice because when your knees seize up, okay, or, or become arthritic, right? <laughs> like you can either give it in because you can't run, or you can find something else you can do. So okay. we found cycling is easier on the body. Yep. Uh, and you can do. We were distance runners, like marathons, half marathons. So with the, with the cycling, you can go out there and you can do 100Ks. You can do a, eight, hour, eight hours in the saddle, you know. Okay. And I guess that's what we're, we're looking for, not a five-minute sort of exercise, more... Uh, long distance. Exactly. Endurance. Ex- exactly. All right. So you're on the road for how long with this trip? Is this, this is a, a warm-up. A week. So a week of cycling? Uh, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And this is a warm-up to what? To cycling from Darwin to Adelaide in July. And how far is it from Darwin it's to Adelaide? It's about 3,300 kilometres. And how long do you think you're going to need for a, for a trip like that? We're going to do it take about 40 days, we reckon. 40 days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Plus a few stops here and there. You know, oh, I would hope so. And a few sherbets along the way. And, and, and hopefully a good backward wind to help you along. <laughs> It helped. It so help. it's a very hilly country where, you, where you're going no, or where you've been? It's or? flat, and that's why, we, that's why we're cycling in this area, because, it, because it's so flat, straight roads. Okay. You know, you, you're going to be, have that for, for hour on hour. So when we do the Darwin to, to Adelaide, mm-hmm. it'll be the same thing, flat, flat as a tack, straight roads. A bit boring, to be honest with you, okay. but that's part of the challenge. Okay. And, and we can find similar conditions here from Griffith to... Uh, to where we have today. Which tonight. is, of course, um, Hilston. Correct. Hilston. Glad you threw that in. Oh, I had to. I had to think <laughs> of it. I had to look, though, because I've got to tell you. So the gentleman that just turned the music on, he drives your... Yeah, he's our support he's man. He's your support man. Yeah. He's got he's the vehicle. Our, ro- our roadie. He's the roadie. He's the roadie. All right, okay. And, um, and and what about if you have injuries? Does he, like, bandage you up and... Uh, no, no, we wouldn't no? allow him to do that. You wouldn't no. allow him to bandage you up? No. No? no. no. All right. He's, so, really, he's good at providing a drink. But okay. Up here or two, but, okay. Uh, yeah, but we don't have too many. Uh, we've, we've not had too many accidents or, no, or, or no. things like that. I no, mean, not that it doesn't happen, but we've been lucky so far, and we take our time. And you got repairs. I noticed this gentleman yeah. here. He's yeah, sorting out his wheel and sorting, uh, putting on a new tire or a new inner tube. He's, he's or... doing his best. Right? Uh huh. Yeah. I'm oh, good. Sorry, oh well, that's the support crew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's come along to offer us a band-aid, yeah. all right. Yeah, so you do get some mechanical problems. Of course. But, but obviously you try and prepare yourself for that and hopefully, because I guess if you're on, like, particularly mountain from Darwin to Adelaide, you, like, there's no backup. No. You, you know, you've got to be able, you've got to be self-sufficient. I understand. Essentially, right? There's no shops to pop into and stuff like that. So yeah. That's what we aim to do. So you carry, obviously, in the support vehicle, which you're towing a trailer, you've yeah. obviously got tyres, yeah, 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 yeah. spare wheels. yeah. 
Um, I suppose saddle, maybe uh, not. not. Not so much that, but certainly the big problems are tyres, tyres and the inner tube. Well, obviously they wear out, obviously. Yeah, and you get you get punctures. You get punctures. Yeah. So yeah. it's easier to just throw it out than repair it, I guess. Well, sometimes it is, because sometimes it, like Eric's struggling at the moment trying to fix his, but he's got... He didn't just pick up one puncture. He got about six or seven at the oh, same time. Oh, okay. Right, so he's got, he's got a bigger challenge so, to, to fix that. So the whole tyre is, is a throw-out. Probably right, Chip. Yeah, yeah, absolutely throw it out. All right, so uh, how, can I ask you how old you are? Uh, yeah, 74. 74. And, and are you the... Don't say it like that. Well, I'm thinking... No, I'm saying... <laughs> if it was 94, then you can say 94. No, no, but I mean 74, riding a bicycle for 3,500 kilometres on that mm. next race, quite a feat. That's a feat, don't you think? I mean, I'm saying well, we, that with the utmost respect. Well, we're just talking about it now. We've still got to do it. You know, it's easy, it's easy talking I've about it. I've got every faith in you. I, I can see the support crew, the Band-Aid man sitting there smiling, yep. wondering why he didn't get picked for this chat. <laughs> so what's the yep. average age then of the, of the riders? I suppose it's around about 61, 68. 68. Okay. Comes from 68. one of the ladies. So 68 is the average age. Yeah. What's the oldest member of your group? Uh, me, unfortunately. You, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll take yeah, that one back. Yeah. What's the youngest member of your group? <laughs> <laughs> You're 58. See, cycling, cycling suits her. She, she doesn't look 58. You don't look 70. Did you say 70? 74. 74. Wow. See, it's fitness. It's of. He's, he's a, sorry. He's an actor. He doesn't act his age. No. I can tell that when we when you all pointed to him and said he's the biggest clown, but you're also the secretary of the group no, or the no, captain. No, no, we don't, or... we don't. We don't have any of that sort okay. of official stuff. Uh... So what's your position? You just we haven't. Always in the rear, following yeah, the younger yeah, ones. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. No, just cyclists. We just we don't. We're just a group of. We're not a club as such. Okay. You know, I suppose we are. Campbelltown. Well, you said the joggers club. The joggers club. Campbelltown that's right. joggers club. But, but so... As I say, we're kind of all. Has been joggers. Okay. So now we're just moving on to something else. Has been? That means has you been. were famous at some stage. No, no, no. We were just... But we did do a lot of half marathons, marathons, that sort of stuff. Long okay. And stuff. So, so they, in, in, in our time, we've been good in our day, but we're just... We're just moving on. We're just moving on <laughs> gracefully. And this other gentleman here directly opposite us, he said, if, what was it, what's his name, this chap here? Ted. Ted. Now, Ted said if you add all our ages up together, yeah. what was the answer to that question, Ted, if you add everybody's age up together? What's the average? Bloody lot. It's a bloody lot, yeah. It'll be over 500. Be over 500. 700. <laughs> Is anybody there for 720? It's not an auction. No, it's a, it's a chat with some really fun, interesting people. Look, I wish you well. Thank you. I hope you do really, really well. Have you got anything else coming up other than this Adelaide trip? Or No, we think that's enough. That'll be enough for this year, but you're always going to be doing it, obviously. Well, I... Which one? Oh, yeah, we did, Fran- we did France a couple of years ago. We did uh, from San Malo in the north of France down to Nice in the okay. south. So that was... Uh, 1700 kilometers we did france is pretty hilly oh uh, it's really hilly really it rugged really, it is a struggle i mean compared to this which is flat as anything yeah. it's like every day it was it was a challenge yeah. so what would be your average speed uh, i can tell you it's, today it was probably 22.4 kilometers 22 very precise isn't it yeah. well, i have a little readout which tells okay. me so so you're not going to get booked for speeding no. And if we and if we stand here and drink many more of these, you might get arrested for being over the affluence of alcohol. <laughs> what do you reckon? That's easy for you to say. It is indeed. <laughs> Mate, thank you so much You're for your welcome. time. It's been a wonderful conversation with you and your group. Thank you all for taking the time to chat with us. Now, I'm going to play you a song. It's got to be Aussie. Who's your favourite band? He's the maestro. Midnight Oil we're going to play. You're going to play Midnight Oil? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the... That's the um, the song we just heard. Dead Heart. Dead Heart. All right. Dead Heart by Midnight Oil. We're going to the Dead Heart. We're going to the Dead Heart, listeners, by Midnight Oil. Stick around for more Roman Oz straight after that.
there you go, listeners. Going to the dead heart by Midnight Oil. And that was requested by the Campbelltown Joggers. And uh, that conversation, of course, Malachi Quinn. Thank you so much for your time, Mel. We hope you enjoyed the show, listeners. If you missed any, check out our Facebook page or allaussieradio.com.au. Tune in next week for more Roman Oz. Roman Oz.